Hello, everybody. Uh, gather around back. How's it going, Paul? <laughs> if you don't know me, I'm, I've been around Epic Life since 2017, so I've been here a few years, but um, not on stage a whole lot. So my name is Josh. I get to work full-time at Pilgrim Coffee House, manage the coffee truck, and then I also get to do missions around here, also help out with youth. Um, and this morning I get to preach a little bit, which is pretty exciting. So I'm excited for, yeah, the words that Spirit shared with me, and hopefully he speaks them well through me. So I'm, I'm not the best public speaker, but... I, I'm I'm excited for this morning. It's going to be good. Um, we do have a couple of announcements, things coming up. We got the Seder meal on April 15th. If you haven't RSVP'd already um, on the Church Center app, do we have a slide for that, maybe, hopefully. It's okay. Friday, April 15th, Seder meal. Uh, if you don't have the Church Center app, you can download that. There you go. Um, RSVP on there, and we'll, yeah, it's going to be gaudy leading, and I've never been a part of a Seder meal, like I said last week, so I'm just super excited to get to be a part of it, and yeah, get to be a part of that history and, and tradition that um, we are a part of too as as the church. And then Easter is April 17th, if you don't already know, um, just want to encourage everybody to invite your friends, invite the people that um, have never gone to church before, have looking for a church. It's just a good Sunday to have the room full and to celebrate the resurrection. And they're really excited for that. And so it's fast approaching. It's already April. It's kind of crazy. Um, you might have seen a video posted on our Instagram recently. Keith kind of introduced or previewed the uh, Easter series. It's going to be Triumph, Tragedy, and Treasure. And so this morning, talking about the triumphant entry, as Ellie mentioned before, and then next week, talking about tragedy, uh, obviously his death on the cross, and kind of more on that, more what that means for us. And then also, Easter Sunday will be about treasure, his resurrection, and Keith is going to bring the word then. Um, I'm excited for it, and this morning we get triumph, so... I'm going to walk us through the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Hector's going to come up a little bit later as well and lead us into a time of testimony. So I just want to put that up front on your radar. We're going to be inviting the church to come up and share testimony on how you've seen triumph, God's triumph and victory in your life. Um, And it doesn't have to be in any super huge life-changing way. I think, honestly, like, those stories are really good. I think a lot of times what's really encouraging to me is just hearing the small ways that God works in our everyday life. And I know for me, getting to hear from you all what God is doing in your lives just gives me hope and it gives me encouragement to move forward into um, just everyday life where, you know, we all have those days where it feels like God might not be speaking or, like, we don't at least don't see where he is and so it's really important for us to share that with each other and so um be praying up front right now and praying and thinking about what god might be putting on your heart to share with us and hector's going to lead us into that time uh later on and so yeah be open to that and so i'm going to turn us to if you have your bibles or your bible apps and turn us to luke chapter 19 in verse 28, the triumphant entry is in all four Gospels. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring us into Luke today and then a little bit in John as well, but we'll start Luke chapter 19, verse 28. And I'm just going to read us through verse 40 here. After telling this story, Jesus went on towards Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. 
If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And Jesus replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. And that's the word of the Lord right there. So at this point, a little background. At Jesus, this point in Jesus' life and his ministry, he's pretty famous, very well known. Um, people know him. He's done many works of miracles, and he's healed a lot of people, and he's taught with this authority that they just people haven't seen before. They haven't seen their own teachers of the law even teach with such authority. And and so he's amassing this following in this huge crowd. This crowd is going, following him and his disciples wherever they're going. And it's I like reading throughout the Bible when it feels like Jesus is just trying to get away from these people. He's like, I just need a moment to myself. And I understand that. Um, <laughs> but... And so there's this huge crowd. He's a pretty famous guy at this point. But it's, to me, my observations, it feels pretty unlikely that at this point, not many people know what he, his true purpose on earth is. Um, they think, a lot of people think that he might be a prophet, he might be Elijah, the recoming of Elijah. Um, his disciples probably know him as Savior, Peter says, you are the Messiah, they've confessed that, but even in that sense, I don't think that they have the 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 knowledge of Savior that we that we know that we get to know Jesus as, at least at this point um in Jesus' life, because he hasn't come up going on the cross, he hasn't resurrected from the dead. So they yeah, his disciples might think that he's the this Messiah that's gonna at this moment ascend into Jerusalem, ascend the earthly throne, lead the Israelites over the Roman Empire, and uh, in this earthly revolution, that's kind of maybe the framework that they were thinking in their mind. And so they don't yet know, quite know who Jesus is. That relationship isn't quite there. And the Gospel of John, I feel like, kind of gives us a clearer picture of that in the same triumphant entry story, but he um, he places it, if you don't know about the four Gospels, the Gospel of John likes to do things differently, and he has a different perspective than the rest, which is really cool and helpful for us. And so he places a triumphant entry pretty soon after the death or the resurrection of Lazarus, probably Jesus' greatest miracle besides his own resurrection. Um, his friend has died, and he goes and he raises him from the dead. And people witness that. And so if we turn to John chapter 12, verse 17, this is after, after what we just read. They're praising him on the road. And then John points out in verse 17, Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many out, went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. And so, John kind of points out that a lot of people worshiping Jesus in this triumphant entry moment might not be, well, I don't want to say might not be there for the right reasons, but at least they don't know what's going on. They don't know how... They don't have the bigger pic, the bigger picture. They've just seen this incredible thing, and they're like, "Oh, okay, this guy can do crazy stuff that we've never seen before. Let's let's praise him." Um, and another thought I had too is that the same people, these same people that were praising Jesus 
on the road to Jerusalem, a lot of them probably would end up a few days later calling for Jesus' death and demanding that Pilate put him on the cross. Those same people praising his name right here. And to me, that's, a, that's a, an awesome testament to Jesus' love for us, right? That he's, he knows full and well the hearts of everybody that is worshiping him. He knows what they're going to do in a few days. But he's still riding into, the, riding into the city, and he sees them, and he loves them. And he's doing this. He's going to his death for these people. He's not refuting their worship and saying, you don't deserve to worship me. He's allowing it to happen. Although this, yeah, this event was very celebratory, but Jesus was riding on a colt into a setting where his tragedy was about to take place. And so I, in studying this week, I got to a point where I was kind of stuck. I was like, where do I go from here? These, there's this, all this fanfare, and like, what's the point of war, th- this whole scene if it's not genuine worship and it's not, you know, these people are later going to betray him. What's the point of all this? And actually, through a conversation with my wife, of course, she has all the wisdom, a lot more than me. (laughs) But I was kind of sharing a little bit with her about that, and she just brought up that, I get that, but it's a good thing to worship Jesus for what we've seen him do. It's a good thing to even if we might not understand fully what Jesus is doing in our lives, or we might not, yeah, get that bigger picture, it's still good for us to share. It's good for us to praise his name for the things that we've seen him do, whether or not we fully understand them. And that's part of the reason we're doing testimonies this morning, is that it's a good thing to share what Jesus is doing and what God is doing. And Um, So I just wanted to make that clear that we don't have to enter into worship in a space of, I don't know, full knowledge of God, or um, we can enter just with what we've seen God do and praise him for that, and it's good. Jesus doesn't not allow it. He tells the Pharisees that if these people weren't worshiping me right now, the rocks along the road would, would be... And, you know, those rocks don't get to have the relationship that we do with Jesus. Um, And so I think that gives us, my encouragement to us this morning is that we have the benefit of relationship, that we get to enter into worship with this bigger picture, that we live on the side of Jesus' death and resurrection, um, and that we get to worship him out of relationship with him. And it's a good place to be. It's a good place to be, to get to worship God, know, out of knowledge of who he is, not just what he's done, although that's really good, and he does, and he gives wonderful gifts. He is such a good God, and getting to have relationship with him is, is, prob- is better than the gifts that he gives. And... Ephesians, Paul writes to this church in Ephesus who is, he hears about how strong their faith is and that they love God's people everywhere, he says in chapter 1. And if we turn to verse 18, he says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called as holy people who are as rich and glorious inheritance. And Paul's prayer for these, these people in this church is constant. Even though that they have strong faith, they, they are loving people well, they still need constant prayer, and they still need to be constantly abiding in Jesus and they still need to be walking with God. And that's something I think that we can take from that, is that even though 
we have this knowledge of Jesus' death and resurrection, that we, we know what God has done for us, we still need to be in constant relationship with Jesus. I think Hector's going to speak to this a little bit later too, but I believe that the gifts of God and what he can do, they just pale in comparison to having a relationship with him. Um, I've personally experienced some supernatural things in my life, not to get into too much detail, but in college I'd broken my finger at some point and I had friends that were praying over it and it was physically healed. And that was, that was crazy. That was an amazing moment. Um, but I still think that even how awesome that was, it's really nothing compared to when I get to spend time with God, when I get to be in his presence, when I get to just sit with him and when I hear him speak to me. There's one of my favorite memories. I was in youth group in high school going through a season where I just wasn't in relationship with God. I, yeah, I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't praying. There's, I don't really know what was going on then, but I remember coming to this point of, uh, at a youth group service, and my youth pastor just had us sit and pray. And I remember as soon as I closed my eyes, I can, I didn't hear I didn't hear God's voice, but I knew it was God speaking to me. And he, as soon as my eyes were closed, he said, I missed you. Yeah, right? Isn't that insane? That the God of the universe would miss me. <laughs> Clap. <laughs> Thank you. And I still hold on to that. I still go back to that. Those words that I heard that God said is, I missed you. Those those words, that moment with God, relationship with him, far outweigh these wonderful gifts that he's given. They're amazing and they're good. But getting to know him and getting to have a relationship with him, I think, not to step on Keith's toes, he's going to talk about treasure, but I think that's the real treasure that we get from Jesus' resurrection is that he's invited us to relationship with him. And yeah, that's, that's triumph and that's victory that we are invited back into relationship with him after he dealt with our sin. And that's what Easter's all about to me. I don't know about you, but eternal life, I think, is amazing. But eternal life with Jesus is what the real treasure is. If it's not, if it's not with Jesus, then I don't want it. Um, so that's my prayer for us this morning is that, as Paul, I like Paul's phrasing, our hearts would be flooded with light so that we can understand. My prayer for us is that in our hearts we would understand what gift, what a treasure that is that we get to have a relationship with Jesus. And so Hector's going to come down for the balcony in a little bit and share a little bit more and lead us into a time of testimony. And um, I just want to pray for us too that God would, yeah, echo that prayer, that God would open our hearts, that he would lead us to sharing with each other how he has moved in our lives, the victory that we've seen. Um, yeah, so I'm going to pray for this. And Hector and I need to make a little bit of transition there, so I'm just going to leave us into a state of prayer. And Ellie's going to play some music and just want to be praying about, yeah, what God might want you to share with us this morning. Lord, I'm so thankful for you. Lord, I'm so thankful that you would invite us to have a relationship with you. We who did nothing to deserve it, God. I, I was, yeah, when I think back, I was not talking to you. I wasn't in relationship with you. I was running away from you, and yet you miss me. And God... I know that's how you speak to all of us, Lord. All of your children, all of your creation, God. You want us. You pursue us. And you give us good gifts and you do wonderful things for us. And Lord, thank you that 
you never stop pursuing us. Thank you for your son that we get to worship, that we get to worship his name, and we get to worship his name out of knowing him, out of knowing who you are, God, your character, how good you are, how merciful you are, how you give us grace, how you love us. Yeah, one more can I say? You're a good God. Amen. So yeah, we're going to make this transition here. If you guys just want to just keep praying. And Hector will be up shortly. that we get to just hear from your word or that we get to hear truth that we get to hear <clears throat> Lord that if those there would not have worshipped we here will not worship that your very creation will sing to you will cry out to you Lord you're worthy of praise or you would be with us as we continue this morning looking to, to share here together in this assembly the way that we've seen you Lord and, and the way that we've been caused and moved to worship the true God thank you so much for uh, just the word from Josh Lord and the way that you've stirred in him led epic life this morning help us to continue to hear from you. Amen. When, uh, when Josh and I sat to, to just kind of discuss, hey, well, what are we going to do this Sunday? Uh, Keith and, and Justin turned it over to Ellie, Josh and I just said, lead the church. Here's some ideas. Here's where, where we're opening. Like, as Ellie said, we're opening an Easter series this Sunday. Um, and Josh, as he uh, told me about where he'd been reading and studying and that, that small observation that he made in John, that it was about the, that many had seen the miracles of God and had seen the miraculous that Jesus was doing. And we can't know for certain. John doesn't even write for certain. But he, we know that they saw it and that they they looked to join in on this throng of people worshiping God. And I, I was reminded immediately of uh, a conference that the staff and some uh, leaders we attended. Uh, Anna Hunt, I believe was her name. I, I, meant, to, I, I meant to have it. Uh, but she led us through this study of Exodus 32 and 33. And this moment where Moses is in the middle of the Ten Commandments. So if you know Exodus 32, you know that Moses was given the Ten Commandments from the Lord, and he's up on the mountain. 
and he's gone for a long time. I don't want to, the point of sharing this isn't really to rehash that sermon or to rehash that scripture, but Moses is up on the mountain, and by the time he makes it down, the people have convinced his brother to build them an idol so that they could have a God, and as they would say, that would actually lead us, that would lead us. They felt unled by God. And here God was writing, giving instructions for how to best be in relationship with him, to be right before him, to live a God-honoring life. And so at some point, Moses and God are having a conversation because it's obvious that God is going to be angry and God would go so far as to call Israel stiff-necked, stubborn, you know, and um, Moses at one point is like, Lord, please just don't, don't bring your anger on your people. And would you just continue to bring us into the land that you promised? And God will eventually tell Moses in Exodus 33, like, you know what, Moses, I will give you this land I promised you because I promised it and I'll keep my word. I'm going to send an angel with you. I'm going, to, I'm going to send you to that land, but I will not go with you. Moses would tell God, well, if you're not going with us, then we won't go. And, and this idea, as Josh was sharing about, you know, the right heart of worship, I just was reminded so much, as Anna shared with us, that Moses wanted nothing to do with the promises of God if God himself wasn't going to be with them. You know, Moses, God tells him, I'll send an angel with you, the miraculous, the supernatural. You'll have something of mine with you. Power beyond for for the spiritual forces. And Moses says, but if you're not going with us, we're not going. Moses being called friend of God, right? And he saw God as his friend, and God called Moses his friend. It's that closeness that, that Moses sought, not just for him, but for the people of God. That even if they made it into the place that God had promised them, land flowing with milk and honey, if God wasn't with them, they weren't going to go. And immediately, just thinking through that and, and wrestling with that and thinking about even uh, what does it mean to worship? And so, Josh, if you can share the, uh, the verse in John, uh, Jesus would say, the time is coming. Indeed, it's, it's here now. When worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in this way. And I often, I've actually wrestled with this verse for a lot this, this last year and, and this month of what does it mean to come to God, not just with truth and not just with spiritual things, but to hold them together, that it is in spirit and truth. And, and I've wrestled with for myself, what does it mean not just to know the things of God, and, and to know the truth of who he is and his character and know the, the spiritual things of being able to even be in communion, community with God and in his presence, but to do those together. It was kind of the wrestling that Moses had of, I don't just want the, to know the spiritual things of the heavenly realms, I want you. Because if you're not there, it's not, in true, in complete truth. And I, I think as we enter into uh, just this season, as we're going to walk through today, uh, triumph, next week, tragedy. And, and as Josh was sharing, I can only remember, right? We all know the story and the, the different stations that, that if you've ever been a part of one of those presentations, the stations of the cross, that there's tragedy in essentially on paper, all of Jesus' work falling apart and his people leaving him, this tragedy. And we're going to look at treasure, Jesus resurrected. And we, on this side now, we get to see that and we know that. Justin actually says a lot. We know that now. 
and we can read scripture and read the story of God's people and go, wow, how did they miss it? As Josh beautifully shared, like we know that resurrection now. We know what the presence of God is. And so today, we can either enter into the, the next two weeks of this series and the tomorrow and the days to come, we can enter it with the same heart attitude as those who came because they saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. Those who thought that Jesus would just overtake the, the kingdom and the empire and start his own now. Or we can enter with the heart of Moses. That Lord, I don't, we don't care if the supernatural things go with us and the promises that you've given us, we can hold on to that. But if you're not with us, we don't go. We want to be with you. That's what matters. And, and so I just want to open up this time. I want to share a story and open up this time for testimony of who God has been, um, how the things that God has done in our lives how they have moved us to see him in spirit and truth, how they have moved us to worship him in spirit and truth, how they have moved us to understand that he is with us, that he does not leave us, and that he is the true God. And uh, I shared this story at staff. uh, And I want us to understand, like even as Josh said, like there are small, simple things, like that's miraculous to, to have your hand healed, that's miraculous. And in in some circles, in some instances, we might say, okay, but your hand got healed. And like, where's the real miracle? Where's like the fire coming down? And and where is that, right? But I think it's the little things and the simple things that can often remind us of the most powerful truths of God. Uh, Over the last two years, I've been able to be a part of Community Online people from all over, not just uh, the United States, but Canada, New Zealand, uh, different places around the world. And uh, this, about two weeks ago, there's kind of some conversation, there's conversation happening all the time in that group message, just constant. I can open it right now, there's probably a conversation happening. These are some of the people that have uh, just become very close and dear to me, and several of them will actually be coming to Seattle next month uh, uh, just to, to celebrate the wedding that I'll have with Angelique. And so, but I share that to say that uh, last week there was, a, there was a moment where someone was like, wait, hold on, your, your coffee maker broke? Like, yeah, I've been going to the gas station for a week because I can't get to the store. I'm just so busy. I'm doing this. We got one car. I'm driving my husband to work. I'm coming back. And then I go to the gas station so I can have enough coffee to do the, the things I need to do at home and then get to the office. And we go, wait, hold on. You're getting gas station coffee for a week? And uh, knowing us, right, we, we own Pilgrim. I work at Pilgrim alongside Josh and Justin and Ellie. And there's this moment where um, basically one of our friends started another group message without the person was like, we're getting together and getting her a coffee machi- machine. We're getting her a coffee maker. There's no way that she has to go to the gas station. It's gross coffee. And um, don't worry, I sent her a bag of Pilgrim coffee as well. But what happened was we all pulled our money, $5 here, $15 here. Others gave more. And um, my friend goes to the store, has more than enough for her coffee machine. She actually buys a a bread maker as well. And when she gets to the counter, so now she's got more than what we gathered together for one thing. She gets two items. She heads to the cash register and they say, hey, actually I see here your uh, membership is deactivated. Let's just reactivate it. Give you 30% off. By the way, because you're a member now, we're going to give you an additional 20% off, even though it's already on sale. And what happened in that moment is that God took the little that we were able to gather and he made it abundant, not just for one item, but for two. And then even more so the value, just because, look, I know it's membership, coupons, they get your email. I get that. But what God did was made it abundant. He made that value increase 
without anyone else doing any of the work. Immediately the value increased. And I wanted to actually read you the message because I asked, hey, can I share this story? Um, my friend was obviously very thankful to have a, a coffee machine. And I think, you know, uh, I loved watching what, what happened uh, in just a, a simple gesture of, I'm going to give $5, $10 so that you can have coffee that you don't have to run to the gas station for, then come home, then go drive. Just have coffee ready whenever you're ready. And um, so this is what she sent me back. She said, the thing that gets me about the bread maker is that without the discounts, I wouldn't have gotten it. And last time the stores ran out of food, I had a huge panic attack because there was no gluten-free bread, no rice, no potatoes, no gluten-free grain, anything, or alternatives Molly, her, her daughter, and I could eat. I've been afraid, I've never been afraid that I wouldn't have what I needed to feed my child. The wheat shortage is terrifying to me because other people are going to choose to eat gluten-free things because the prices will soar and people will hoard. But I have something, and I'll learn to use it, and I won't have to be afraid. You guys gathered, but God multiplied what you gave me. And, yeah, amen. And I, I love that because I, hadn't, I, I wasn't even thinking, we weren't thinking about the bread short. We didn't even know that's something she wanted. And God made available a need, like to meet a need, and people didn't know. And for me, I was so reminded of, of Jesus asking, hey, do we have anything to eat to feed the 5,000? All we got is two loaves. Three fish, he says, well, bring them to me. And Jesus then hands the disciples food to feed the 5,000, and they gather leftovers in abundance. This is the God that we serve. In that moment, I was reminded that the God that I serve takes what little I can bring and what little the circle around me can bring, and he multiplies it in abundance. He works in the miraculous. He works in this ability to take what might feel maybe either not enough or just enough to maybe meet a need, just enough to maybe get through the day, just enough to meet something as simple as a cup of coffee and then say, actually, we're going to meet a different need, one that is at the core and at, at my friend's heart terrifying to think about going back to a reality she's already lived in and to to be able to prevent that from little i mean little from across the world god said you know we we talk often about god owns all the, the cattle on the hill and he's got everything and it's his and he'll do whatever it takes and this was god doing that globally taking the little bit pulling it together and then making it much more than any of us would have ever thought to do. God cares about, this is the God we serve. He cares about those things that are fears in our heart and in our spirit. And he'll often use people who are unaware to use that. This is the God that when others can't see or won't see or don't have the, the frame of mind to even think about these things or to ask, even in a really solid, tight community that I love, God will see that and say, no, I, I see the need. And I actually see that the coffee is a great, I love that she's going to have a great cup of coffee. It's going to be pilgrim. I love it. But that God would say, let me take care of your heart's fear as well. Let me show you that I see you. You are not hidden from me. And it, it really did. It, it caused me, I still just, to think that this is the God that we serve, the God that we love, the God that we put our hope in, that he has made a way where there is no way. That's, that's the, where we're headed in this series, that we're going to see that he would send his son to the cross and he'd make a way where there was none. He would take one life for many. And so I'm gonna open the floor 
come up in the mic and share. Um, share just what God has done in your life. We'll, we'll open and we'll go, and Ellie's going to play a little bit, and we'll, we'll be done whenever we're done. Just share, and, and, and the, the small things are the little things, or, or the big things. Come on up. Yeah, the floor's open. I'm here because of Hector, you know. I came one Sunday and you were speaking and I said, this is the place I want to be. Humility, love. And you preach without notes. It was great. <laughs> Thank you. I got together with um, Gotti down here on Friday. Went to another coffee shop, but it was close to where he lives, so there we are. And... Um, I have a bad knee and a bad ankle. So I like this a lot. So while a parking place was no big deal to most people, it's a really big deal to me. Uh, and standing up for any lengthy period of time, you'll see me kind of looking like a ship on a list here because this one hurts if I lean it on. So finding a parking place is a really big deal. And I pull into the parking area in front of the coffee shop, and there's no parking places. I mean, no parking places. I'm going, oh, no. Lord, I really need a parking place. In your mercy, please help me with one that's at least a little bit close to the door. And what do you know, at that very moment, the car next to me pulls out of his parking place quickly and takes off, like, here it is, and I pull in, and you saw me, and I was reminded there, he who is faithful in little things, I will give you less. No, that's not what it says. I will give you what? More, much, lots. And I end with this. I have a friend that I took to visit somebody in the hospital with us in the car. And same situation. Lord, I said out loud, we need a parking place. And my friend says, are you going to bother God with a parking place request? He's got better things to do than listen to that. And that's really what he said. And I said, you know, faithful in little, give you much. At that very moment, as God is my witness, at that very moment, a car pulled out right, right in front of the hospital. And this is Pill Hill downtown, you know. And, and we pulled into this parking place and the guy goes, Holy smokes. And I said, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So it's a warning to me. It's a warning to all of us. Those little things count. Hector was talking about that a moment ago. Those little things count. God doesn't pull rabbits out of his hat. He's got all that taken care of. He wants help. Sharing. Yeah, come on up, Robert. Hello, uh, uh, my name is Robert, and, and I've been coming here for some time now, maybe five years. Uh, next week, I'll be going to the Philippines for a month, so I'm going to see my mom and uh, enjoy the ocean shore. Uh, I, have a, I have a space over there. And so, yeah, pray for me uh, to spend time with my mom. My mom is like 92 years old. And, uh, yeah, and then also uh, pray for me to overcome temptation. It's hot over there, 90, 85 to 90, so I might complain. And, uh, uh, yeah, pray for me also to um, uh, participate in God's work, serve Christ over there, not just here, but uh, 
also outside uh, Seattle. Uh, <clears throat> so what I'm going to share right now, uh, yesterday uh, was a nice day, and so I volunteered myself to uh, fix my daughter's car. Uh, not actually uh, to uh, uh, do uh, oil, uh, oil change. So I was so happy, and then I put uh, removed the oil, the, the oil within like a couple minutes, and then by the time I got to removing the fil- oil filter, so uh, it got stuck. And so, uh, and then, uh, so I look at the, the, the YouTube and it says, well, just poke a hole in the middle of the oil filter and then just yank it and it will come out. So I poke a hole on it and put a screwdriver and then yank it and then, and then the, whole, the whole thing broke into many pieces. So I got so frustrated that I kept hearing and hearing and then the, almost the whole thing came out except the very top that I got stuck. So, so out of my frustration, so I said, oh Lord, if I cannot, finish, if I cannot fix, remove this filter, I won't be able to come to church tomorrow. So I, and then so out of my frustration, and then I said, maybe I got to stop and and uh, so I ended up eating uh, my early dinner. So like uh, five o'clock, I, so while eating, and then, I, and then I came back again. And then so it looked like after eating, I gained some energy. And, and then I, I, I cooled down a little bit. And then so I started eating and eating again. And suddenly the very top of the, the one that got stuck started moving. And so suddenly I said, oh, thank God, it stopped moving. And so I started hitting and hitting until the whole thing came out. And, and then so I was able to put the, the, oil, the oil filter. And so that's why, I'm, so that's one, that's the little thing that I can think about. Uh, but at the same time, look like God allowed frustration. So a while ago, I was trying to understand uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Verse 11 that says uh, God has every, God makes everything beautiful in its time and then but before that uh, the oral mentioned about just uh, uh, in everything there's a season there's a time to search a time to quit a time to throw away a time to tear uh, a time to be quiet and a time to speak a time for war and a time for peace. So it looked like in in our uh, in a real world, it's not really about everything is about good, but there's bad and it's good. So so even even in the past, I said when I become uh, when I when I accepted Christ, in my mind I said everything should be good. Suffering, you know, crying, you know, but uh, but the Bible said there's a time for everything. There's a time to hate and there's a time to love. And so, as I grew old, I said, uh, well, uh, I don't understand this a time to hate and a time to love, a time to kill, a time to destroy, and a time to build. Uh, but I think that's also part of uh, part of trusting Christ. Uh, I mean, for example, Jesus came. He, he came. Uh, he was born to die. So I don't understand that. Why? Why he, he was born to die? That's 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 not good. But uh, he was born to die so that he will he might save us. Uh, so so so. In my conclusion, uh, when God said. God has made everything beautiful in its time. I think uh, when uh, He sent Christ to the world, I think that's the beginning of uh, making. He has made everything beautiful, and so the Bible uh, in, in in Genesis He promised that God that Jesus will uh, uh, the promised Messiah will come, and in Revelation uh, the fulfillment. Uh, of Christ and Christ will return again. So I think that's what it, what it really means that uh, God has made everything beautiful in its time. 
Uh, but of course, uh, it's hard to understand. Even now, it's hard to understand a lot of people dying in Ukraine. It breaks my heart. Uh, people built so many beautiful buildings, but just one drop of bomb, the whole thing will be destroyed. People are dying. So, I mean, I asked, that, I asked God why, why God allowed those things to happen. But I believe God will make everything beautiful. Uh, even in the things that we don't like, the things that we hate, uh, those, are, those are maybe God even mentions like the beginning of birth pain. Uh, and then there's a joy. So uh, um, as I grew old being a Christian, although there's a lot of frustration, a lot of hate, but I experienced God's love and God's grace, even in a little thing, even just by fixing car. Um, a lot of time, uh, even going, going to work, one time I, um, my boss uh, gave me a hard time and he tried to be a bully and tried to um, uh, being like a slave driver, so I I cried out to God, said, Lord, how long I should put up with this kind of boss? And then by, by the time I was about to quit, so I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I already, I want to give up. I don't want to face with this boss every single day. I don't want to see him more years. But by the time I was about to quit, and then my boss found another job. And, and they said, oh, you know, I'm a, at first he said, I'm a very hard person to uh, to, uh, to be removed. But later on, he, he found a job and said, oh, thank God, now I have to stay with this job again. Because, uh, you but anyway, I think um, there's a lot of frustration, but still God makes everything beautiful in his time. And I, I, thank, I thank God for that. And I look forward for, for the beautiful that God will make. Uh, but it, 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 it is his, uh, his time, not in our time. I'm just going to pray because I'm really nervous, and I don't know any of you guys, but I know you guys are my brothers and sisters, so this is where I'm at, and I'm from L.A., and I just happened to be here, and I looked up a church online, and I just find it ironic that you guys are having this time to share your testimony because God is always putting me in these situations, <laughs> and I try so hard to avoid it. <laughs> I have PTSD, I have severe anxiety, I have to take medication for it, so like, you know, like, it's not easy. But uh, I'm just going to start off by praying, okay? So, dear Father, please calm my spirit, Lord, just calm me, Lord, please bring blessings to this church, to my brothers and sisters, Lord, please use my story for your will, Lord, because without you, I am nothing, Lord. I love you so much, and just bringing calmness to me, Lord. I'm doing your work. I'm doing what you want me to do, Lord. Guide me and just let me say the right words, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, so earlier when we were singing, there was a lyrics, just a, a line that really resonated within me, and it said, no grave is going to hold my body down, which is so true, right? No grave is going to hold my body down. Why is that? Because we're of God, right? The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And that is so important and so valuable because without him, we're nothing. We're nothing but a filthy rag, right? So my story, my testimony, I come from abuse, a lot of sexual abuse, a lot of abandonment, a lot of verbal abuse. Um, my grandfather, uh, he would channel, I don't know if you know anything about like satanic culture or anything like that, but he would channel ball and he would wear the outfits and unfortunately we were children in those circumstances and who were they training? Because I don't know if you know this, but your training in satanic culture begins in infancy. You know, they're trying to rid you of all your 
um, your morals, everything, you know, because in satanic culture, you as an individual are a god, right? So, which is crazy. Uh, humans are not God. So, that led to me feeling worthless and hopeless for many, many years, right? I was nothing. I was just a physical body. You see me, and to the world, I they perceive me as a beautiful young lady. I don't see that because, again, I'm feeling worthless and hopeless, right? But I know I am. I know I am because this is what... Christ gave me, Christ gave me this body so I can have the courage and the strength to come up here and speak to you guys, you know? Um, so I start the way that I came to Christ, I grew up in a, a Southern Baptist church. So that was my mother's side of the family. And then my father's side was the satanic one, which is ironic, just so funny. So that's why that song from earlier, I'm like, oh, this is my, this is my music. <laughs> it's what I grew up with. So um, I started working with a ministry called SIR, and it's a nationwide ministry. Uh, they rescue trafficked victims. If your daughter, your neighbor, anyone gets uh, trafficked to the Philippines, to Mexico, we will find them. Because you know why? We have Christ on our side. And Christ loves recklessly. So he will come in and knock doors down, and he will save you just like he saved me, you know? So I started working with this ministry, and I experienced Jesus' love like no other, a reckless love. And it's a beautiful thing, right? So I'm no longer hopeless and worthless. I don't no longer, I'm nothing, you know, because the Holy Spirit dwells within me. And I'm just so thankful for that. So after the restoration and after my beautiful baptism, which when you spoke about uh, a miracle and, um, you know, your hand and God speaking to you, I had an out-of-body experience when I was baptized. I felt like my soul was being slowly, like, lifted. This was at an ocean in San Diego um, at the beach. It just was something of, I don't know, it reminded me of John the Baptist, you know? just kind of magical and no I was not on drugs I was not high <laughs> I promise okay <laughs> um, so that was my baptism and my restoration just accepting being the prodigal child and coming back and just letting the Lord guide me in my life because you know life is difficult we live in a fallen world so now guess what I'm a warrior of Christ right you guys are all warriors of Christ as well. So you guys mentioned worship, right? The right heart of worship. And I think there may be a misconception of what worship is. This music, all that, that's worship. It's beautiful. When I come in, I worship like I got to get my worship on every Sunday. Like I need it for my heart. I need it to survive the week, <laughs> you know, I gotta have it, but worship is not only music, worship is when you worship with your mind, when you worship with your heart and your body, because like the man that was up here earlier was talking about temptation, temptation is real, right, so when there's temptation, eyes, which is, they're everywhere, eyes are everywhere, you have to guard your mind, you have to guard your body, and you have to guard your spirit, because that's how we worship Christ. So that's just something that really resonated within me. My name is Celeste, and I'm glad I'm here. And I'm actually, look, I'm not too bad, not too bad. It's not like, yeah. But if you guys could pray for me, because I'm also going through a separation. I'm trying to, my husband just came to Christ recently, and I have three little babies, and, you know, all the things. All the things that Satan wants to destroy, my beautiful little family, but he's not going to win. So I need my husband. <laughs> but yeah. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate you and value this church. And I'll be praying for you guys always, okay? Thanks, Celeste. Awesome. Hey, y'all, we're, uh, we're, you know, we, we don't want to stop what the Lord's doing. 
Um, and so if there's something that's just pressing, Peter, I see you. So I'm going to give you the mic and then, uh, yeah. Thank you, guys. Uh, man, this is just beautiful because why do we get together unless it's to share what God is doing in our lives? You know, we need that. The Bible is a beautiful thing and it roots us, but God's still alive. He didn't stop. We're still his creation. He keeps us going. And we need to share that. This is beautiful. Um, I've had this on my mind for a while. This is a perfect opportunity now. Thank you. Uh, if you knew 10-year-old to 17-year-old Peter, you would have known a very anxious Peter. I, uh, I struggled with anxiety a whole lot when I was little. And it was over the most idiosyncratic things. Uh, it kind of came to a head when I got food poisoning once, and then I couldn't get it out of my head that I might get sick anywhere at any moment. And I, I couldn't even sit where you are right now without feeling that way, like I needed to be close to an exit. Uh, I just felt like this overwhelming sense of I could be imperfect and embarrassed, and uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my head. Um, I grew up in church and everything. I prayed a lot about it. My family prayed about it. It didn't seem like anything happened, uh, and, and some genetics play into it and everything. Now, this is a story that I hope gives you hope, and I know anxiety is, comes in different packages for everyone, so this isn't a one-prescription thing, but this is what God did for me. Um, I was like this for quite a while. When I met Samantha, uh, she invited me out to breakfast one morning, and I said, oh, I'll, I'll go with you, but I probably want to eat. I, just, I don't do that. I don't eat breakfast. Uh, and uh, she was cool with it. Um, and we got together, and over a while, like, this this was a part of me that was, like, this anxiousness and not really wanting to eat. She got me more comfortable with it, but there came a time when um, we we were not in the same place at the same time. And I was on the phone, and she knows where I'm going with this. I love sharing it. <laughs> I was telling her about my anxiousness and uh, and everything, and she, she kind of just put this question out to me. She goes, can't, can't you just, like get over it, which you don't say to somebody who's anxious, really. But after all this, like, self-loathing and kind of like, oh, what can I get to help me? It, it was a question that had never been posed to me. Can I just get over it? Can I get over it? And I started to make peace with the idea that I could get over it. And uh, you know, there's, there's this verse, I think it's in uh, one of Peter's apostles, uh, the, uh, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. And it's, it's great to keep casting them, but there comes a point where you're like, I'm going to give it up. I, this is my last cast. You cast it off to him. And, and then um, imagine a more adventurous future. And uh, it's, um, God is, there, there's a quote that says, God is a comedian performing for an audience who's too afraid to laugh. And I see this all the time. When you look back, He's been setting me up this whole time with being anxious, Peter. Peter afraid of food. Peter got to go to India to help out uh, at, at a children's home. And Peter ate Indian food for a week. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That doesn't happen to somebody who has fear. Three, three, yeah. It is spicy. And I had an aversion to spice like nothing else when I was growing up. It, it happened. It was ridiculous. I noticed myself there. I, and, um, and now, do you know what I got roped into at Epic Life? I'm helping coordinate the food bank, the, the giving room. And if that's not ironic, I don't know what it is. Uh, punchline master. Don't miss the punchlines, because um, he's got them for you. Hey, thanks, Peter. Hey, I, uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody uh, for sharing. Um, I want to close uh, just knowing that there's, we're hoping that there will be more time for these types of, of gatherings. and Know that you don't have to wait till Sunday to share these stories. If you haven't, download the Church Center app. I'll create the, the group today. Like, share the stories that God is doing. Share, share the, the things that... I hope what you heard here today was that it doesn't matter how small and seemingly insignificant or, or how large and miraculous and necessary it is to, for God to remove things in our life. 
so that we can move on in, in health. I, I hope that I framed that correctly and, and just hearing that, Peter. Praise God for, for what he's doing. And thank you so much for your service here. Um, I hope that we'll enter into the next few weeks as we get ready to celebrate. You know, a lot of people think Christmas is kind of the crown celebration for Christians. And the truth is we hang everything, everything on whether or not Jesus was actually put on the cross, laid in a grave, and rose from the dead. Scripture claims that that's what happened, and it claims that the spirit that did that and miraculous, that gave him power to raise from the dead, is actually the same spirit that dwells, that makes his living in us. We can move in this life with that, and we can see these places that God is moving And if it's that spirit that's dwelling in us, it should recognize and see and understand and discern how the Lord is moving in the little and the big. Um, Yeah, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you so much. Oh, you got one more? We're, uh, Lord, we're going to respond. And uh, for those who have to go uh, grab your children, please go grab your children and and thank the the children's workers. For those um, that need to go, it's fine. But Lord, we want to just in this time respond to you. Lord, you are worth our worship. You're the only one who is worthy of worship. Lord, we thank you. We do thank you for the ways that your hand has moved. Lord, we want to be with you. We long to be with you, 